Hello and welcome to Parallel, a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. I'm Shelley Brisbane, your host, and this is episode 42, the last episode of 2020. Today we're going to talk about productivity, a topic which I like but often don't understand. So I've brought people together who are smarter than me about productivity and who probably think about it a lot more <laughs> and in a lot uh, a smarter way. Uh, first up, it's Jean McDonald. Hello. Hey, Shelley. Thanks. Uh, and thanks for that plug for my, my uh, productivity expertise, <laughs> which I have wait, not wait. a ton. <laughs> I was going to say, you, don't mislead me now. Uh, so, so Jean has been a, the community manager at Micro.blog since 2017. When it launched, she was also the former marketing director at Smile, a Mac company, which makes productivity stuff that I like very much. And she also hosts a podcast with James Dempsey called The Weekly Review Podcast, which I hear that's about productivity sort of, right? Yes, it is. It was inspired by productivity. I like uh, that. And it still is technically about productivity. Technically. Yes. <laughs> and my next guest is Steve Sawson. He is an accessibility engineer and a fellow panelist with me on the Mac Accessibility Roundtable. And I, I just uh, gave him the title earlier, Productivity Fiend, and he's accepted it. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. It's good to have both of you. I, I am interested in productivity for my own sake, but I'm also interested in productivity as a thing that people sort of organize their life around because I'm not that sort of person. And I guess I want to know, to just to get started and to sort of set the playing field a little bit, how each of you came to feel like productivity in terms of structuring, structuring your product, productive life, how that became important to you? Well, when I was, uh, I, I started becoming an uh, independent contractor in the late 90s. And so it started becoming important to me because no one was telling me what to do or by when or paying me regardless. <laughs> so so that, that was, uh, you know, I, I started looking into uh, different um, theories and, and uh, suggestions. But the thing that I completely clearly remember is reading an article in Macworld that was by Merlin Mann about how to organize your email so that it, it gets done. And he referred to the book Getting Things Done, um, you know, as an inspiration for his method. And that was, that's, you know, it, it, I, and I got the book and the book made sense. I read it back then. Um, whether I have totally followed it for the last 14 years, um, uh, listen to my podcast and you'll know. <laughs> But I know all about it. I've read it twice. <laughs> oh, I want us to get into getting things done. Believe me, because I have questions. Steve, how about you? Why did, how did productivity come into your life? Boy, you know, I, I followed a similar journey. I was a contractor. And um, one of the things that I am not is super organized. So I would take notes. I would tell people I'd call them right back. And then I'd get sidetracked. I'm very easily sidetracked. And so what was happening is... I realized that one of the things I wasn't doing well is uh, staying organized and following through. You know, I'd, I'd tell someone I'd call them back and then I'd forget to call them back. And that's not very professional. And certainly it wasn't because I didn't want to call them back. It was just because I, I forgot. And I realized I needed to have some sort of system to help keep me organized because that was an area I wasn't going to really be able to change. Uh, at least I didn't know how to change it. And so... Um, rather than implement some sort of system, I decided to research different systems and, you know, made a list of all the different systems. Didn't implement anything, but one of the <laughs> things that came across was getting things done. And so on my to-do list, I put read, getting things done. And I kept moving <laughs> that down my list. the thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite the loop. Um, you know, but it just got worse and worse and people were complaining. And, you know, I'd hear these complaints um, and I th would think, you know, I get the complaint. I understand. I mean, I wouldn't want to do business with me either because, you know, if, if I'm not calling people back or I'm not delivering something I've promised um, or, or whatever the case was, you know, I, I couldn't blame people for being frustrated. I totally could empathize with their frustration. And I realized, you know, I need to I need to get on top of this because otherwise I'm just not going to survive as a uh, as a as a contractor, as a you know sole business owner, and so 
I decided to, in fact, read the Getting Things Done book and then figure out, you know, how could I work some of the principles in that book into my digital life and uh, make it work in a way that would work for me as transparently as possible, um, because I didn't want to get hung up on the system itself. But I realized that in order to to really survive, I would need to have some sort of a system to support me. And so that began the journey, or depending on who you ask, the obsession uh, with getting things done and with organization and task apps and to-do lists and that sort of stuff. And um, I've, I've found it's helped me to, to really be a better slash more professional person uh, uh, today, you know, professionally, but also in my personal life. It's just helped me to kind of wrangle myself, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> I don't know getting things done well at all. And I think part of the reason for that is because the way people speak about it is as a sort of lifestyle or obsession more than as a system for getting stuff actually accomplished. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But do you feel that at all? I mean, and, and does that play into your reaction to it? Or does does it help or hurt your use of that tool? At, at first it did for me because the book, the Getting Things Done book, really focuses on here's how you could physically do stuff. And it talks about like, you know, writing notes and, and and using a calendar, like a desk calendar. And when I read the book, my first takeaway was, this isn't digital. I mean, he sort of gives a nod to digitizing things in the in the book, but, you know, it, it, it isn't really oriented that way. And I thought, well, this isn't really applicable. And then after I read it the second or third time, I actually have read it multiple times. And then I started to realize, you know, what he's providing here are principles. You can adapt them digitally, even though the book doesn't outright, you know, spell it out and say, here's how you do this with Outlook. You know, it talks about paper mail and how you would set up a filing system, which, you know, you could adapt to a digital thing. And there's lots of resources out there to show you, you know, how, how to use Outlook with getting things done or how to use, uh, you know, uh, OmniFocus or whatever with getting things done to sort of bridge the methodology with the, you know, how do, how do you actually do this uh, in, in a digital, digital way? So yeah, at first I was, I was kind of turned off because I read the book and I was like, I'm not going to use a desk calendar. I don't keep paper files of stuff when I can digitize <laughs> it. This is just antiquated and totally dismissed it and then read back through it and realized, okay, you know, it's the principles that I should be getting from this, not the, you know, step two, look at your desk yeah. calendar, you know, <laughs> I agree that um, when I first read it in 2006, it was already, you know, a bit out of date, you know, with the digital life. But I still set up a physical tickler file, um, which was very helpful for me for quite a while. That's the file where you have a folder for every date of the month, plus 12 folders for the months themselves. So when you get physical stuff, which I don't get very much anymore, so it's less uh, applicable, but let's say you buy tickets for something and you want to um, put them in a place you know you won't forget them. Well, if there's a folder that you look at every morning, which is the folder for that day, that's a great place to put them. Um, however, I think that um, what the, you know, when you when you really, you know, burnish away all the, the various uh, tips and tricks for getting things done, you know, the underlying thing is that your brain is a bad place to save your reminders. Um, and, and he gives the example right in the beginning of the book of how if you have to go to work the next day and for work, you have to bring this one folder in. Um, you'll put that folder in front of the door <laughs> so that when you walk out of the house, you take it with you. Now, nobody's doing anything like that anymore. But the, the point is that you make it so your brain doesn't have to in the morning go like, oh, yeah, it's that day. I need to go get that folder. It's sitting there, you know. And I think that uh, that putting your brain 
taking away from your brain, really, uh, the responsibility for remembering everything is, um, it's just good mental health, for one thing. <laughs> and, uh, and having a system that by which you only look at the things that you can, you know, reasonably do at that moment. And that's, that's part of it so that your brain can stop saying at 11 o'clock at night, oh, did we send in the bill for whatever? I mean, you know, you're already in bed and your your brain is like telling you, uh, oh yeah, I wanted to remind you about this. Don't forget tomorrow. That doesn't help you. So I think that um, that I really admire David Allen for getting beyond the the logistics and the technical, you know, how-to aspects and and getting, you know, to the heart of what helps people, um, whether they get them done or not, is to not have to worry about them. For me, the, the lifestyle thing and also the idea that there's a, and this is, tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels like there's a learning curve to the system itself and that my brain sort of is like, well, I could be doing stuff. I could be doing stuff in the way that I've always done it, which may not be completely as good as it could be, but it is not a failure. Or I could take some time out and I could teach myself this whole new system and I could find all the digital tools that are appropriate for that new system. I mean, I even have yeah. trouble when I have to switch to do apps because I'm like, okay, I have to learn the interface. <laughs> I have to figure out how do I structure things. And I'm a, my mind is pretty organized. I forget stuff, I, but I, I don't... Maybe you're not a candidate for this, you know? <laughs> like, I don't know... It's not for everyone. Yeah. And, you know, it, uh, the main thing, like I said, like if you feel comfortable that um, important things aren't dropping off, you know, the your purview, then you're good. Like it's for people like Steve and me who <laughs> maybe forget to call people back uh, or forget to, you know, pay that bill on the certain day or whatever. I mean, I do forget that stuff. It does feel to me like there's a certain level of stuff you need to do and responsibility that you need to have before it makes sense because there have been times in my life when I was focused on the one job I had or the one big project I had, but that when I started multitasking and literally having to use a calendar to remember where I had to be in an hour and a half, which never was the case before, then I was like, oh, I probably could use a system. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it, it was a, a question of, you know, I, I felt it was it was very rigid. It was very formal. I don't have time to implement this. I'm already stressed. I'm already doing too many things, juggling too many balls. I can't implement this system. It's too complex. And then I, I realized, you know, if I step back and take the time to really understand it and implement it, it's, it's a short-term investment in myself that's going to pay off long-term, that you know, what is the cost of me dropping productivity a little bit for, you know, a little while, a week or two or whatever, until you become comfortable with the system? What is the cost of that versus not doing it? And what I realized is for me at the time, there was a monetary cost. If I don't do this, and I lose clients, because, you know, I'm not delivering, that's going to cost me monetarily. And then the other piece that was sort of harder to wrap my mind around at first um, and it really didn't become apparent until I had done it for a while is I am one of these people that, you know, I'll wake up at two in the morning and I'll think, oh my God, I forgot to call Shelly back. I told her I was going to call her and I didn't. Yeah, I we didn't talk about it. So I'm really upset. Exactly. Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, I could, I could do one of two things, right? I could call you. I mean, it's two in the morning, but whatever. <laughs> um, or I could write it down. But where am I going to write it down that I'll remember if I go back to sleep and wake up tomorrow, I'm going to have written down somewhere that I've probably forgotten about to call you back because I've already missed calling you back yesterday, right? So it winds up being really complicated. And, and a, what I found, for me at least, is that um, I would remember things at the strangest times. You know, I'll be eating dinner and I'll remember a conversation I had with someone three days ago and I was supposed to send them a link to something and I was totally going to do it. But then I, you know, uh, 
uh, I don't know, a Facebook post popped up and it distracted me, whatever it is. <laughs> I didn't do it, but I remember, and we're right in the middle of dinner, but I can't get up and leave because my wife is going to get mad because we're all sitting around the table as a family and it would be like, hold on, I'm just going to leave and write something down, but I promise I'll come back because she knows I won't. I'll, I'll see something else and it'll keep me sidetracked. And that sort of, so what would happen is I would sort of disengage and, and try to remember, okay, I need to remember to send that link. I got to remember to send that link. Meanwhile, everyone around me is talking about whatever. And I'm in my head saying, okay, don't forget to send that link. You have to send that link right after dinner. You're going to go and write down the, th- you know, to send that link tomorrow. And you know, the link is, and, and I'm not focused on the present. Like I'm not focusing on the conversation happening around me, you know, and, and I'm distant. Right. And so having a system that takes all of that away from my brain that allows me to sort of dump all my random thoughts as I have them into a system and know that they're not going to get lost, that that it's going to be okay, there's a structure around it, it allows me to be more engaged, more present, more, you know, here and now, um, because I wasn't, I was so focused on, on other stuff that, uh, you know, people would would talk to me and I'd be like, huh, did I miss something? You know? Yeah. We've been asking you a question for five minutes, Steve. Um, so I, I would say, you know, as, as, as Jean said, it certainly isn't for everyone, but really, if you're thinking about implementing it, give it a shot. I mean, give it a shot because while it may take some time to get used to it and some time to become comfortable with it and, you know, some time to integrate it with how you work and who you are, um, the long-term benefits of doing that in terms of stress reduction, in terms of organization, in terms of just, you know, not having your brain run in circles in the middle of the night, those are things that, you know, you, you can't really quantify, but they're, they're huge over the long term. This episode of Parallel is brought to you by The IntraZone by Microsoft SharePoint. It's always fun to find new podcasts to listen to, and especially this time of year when I have a little extra downtime, I'm always looking for something new and interesting. And if you're looking for a new show to listen to, try The IntraZone. It's a bi-weekly podcast with conversations and interviews on how Microsoft SharePoint, OneDrive, and related tech can work for you. You'll hear from guest experts behind the scenes and out in the field. So you can see how SharePoint fits into your everyday work life to easily share and manage content, knowledge, and applications. Each show covers a bunch of segments like news and announcements, a focused topic of the week, guest perspectives, FAQs of the week, and upcoming events. And just so you have an idea of what to expect, I want to tell you about some of the topics you might be interested in that have been on previous episodes. They've discussed working from home, which I know is relevant to some of you. Also, figuring out an intelligent intranet for your organization. And they did an episode about API and teamwork, too, which you should give a try. I listened to an episode called SharePoint Drive Me Crazy, which I enjoyed because it seemed like a refreshingly honest take on the fact that sometimes tech can be a challenge or sometimes we just need to know more about tech in order to make it do the things we want it to do. And they talked to folks who both use and implement SharePoint in large and small organizations. And it was uh, just a, it was a great opportunity to uh, hear what customers and people who work with customers for Microsoft have to say about how to implement SharePoint and what some of the big uh, pain points for folks are and how they solve them. So go and listen to The IntraZone now. Just search for The IntraZone wherever you get your podcasts. That's IntraZone, I-N-T-R-A-Z-O-N-E, or just click the link in the show notes. Go check it out. Our thanks to The IntraZone by Microsoft SharePoint for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Have you tried to, have either of you tried to do this sort of work without that specific system? And I guess I ask because I, I, I wonder if the requirements of a particular system uh are the are the thing that may and and I don't want this to be a therapy session. It's not just about me, uh, but I but I sort <laughs> I sort of wonder if my sort of feelings from the outside about the sort of cult of getting things done or whatever may make me feel more negatively toward it. But I guess my my general question would be: is the is the 
actual system that you use as important as that you've committed to the idea of a system? I mean, you could do this without with with different tools if you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, I think there's more. Um, the The main thing about the system is just to have what they call a trusted system, what, what David Allen calls a trusted system, a thing where, yes, if you wake up at 2 a.m. in the middle of the night and you think, I need to call Shelly, and you don't call her on the spot, you write it down in a place that's like an inbox for you, you know? So you have like uh, maybe, in that case, a physical or a digital inbox, um, but that you know that's what I would do is just say, oh, just write that down and go back to sleep. And then... Part of, um, you know, the canonical getting things done is that you do what he calls a weekly review, um, where at least once a week, hopefully more frequently, but once a week, you get all the inboxes that you have, whether it's email, whether it's your, um, you know, your little um, notebook that you write things down in, or you whether it's a pile of scraps of paper where you've made notes to yourself, you get that to zero. doesn't mean you do everything, but you put it into the system so it gets processed. And yeah, I think that, um, the, you know, that is the, the, the key to it. It's just that you, you do something regularly. And one of the things on the weekly review this year that we've really focused on, James and I both, um, is the power of habits. And so if you have to drag yourself to do a weekly review every week, which honestly, we do have to do sometimes, <laughs> we don't, we don't act like we, we are perfect in implementing this system. And it, you know, really, that it's just the habit of, of once a week podcasting with James, which has gotten me through this year and last year and <laughs> just but it's something that we both committed to and of course if it's another person who you're committing to then you know you don't want to let that person down and we have uh, published as of tomorrow it'll be 140 episodes every week you know every Friday on Friday because I never want to let James down and he never wants to let me down so it's a thing that we do every week so we either do our review of all our inboxes or we don't. And we say, eh, I blew it this week. But at least we um, have a weekly time where we um, talk about and think about what, what did we or did we not get done. I, at first, was terrified that if I messed up, it wasn't going to work. That, <laughs> you know, I read the book. I wrote the steps down. I even had a note file open at initially with all of the different steps so that I could know, okay, you know, mm-hmm. where wh- do I move this to in the system? And then I would not do something and I'd be like, Oh my God, I forgot. I forgot to, I forgot to do this. And then I realized, um, a really important thing. And that is that, uh, David Allen is awesome as he is, is not going to show up at my home and audit my system. Um, if I mess Would up, you want he's him to not... really, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. He seems like a cool enough guy. I mean, you know, if he's listening to this and he wants to stop by and have a beer, David, whatever, Steve's I, you looking know, for you. um, you know, whatever, but, uh, he's, he's not gonna, no one is, there's not like a, a getting things done police force. That's going to be like, you're the doctor step three. Um, you know, it's it's good ideas, and but I think what you can do is is just like any methodology, you can pull from it what's going to work for for you. The other thing he does really well in the book, I thought, is he explains why uh, recommendations are being made. Why why is this mm-hmm. step important? Is explained. It's not one of these like just do this because it's part of my system and because I say you have to do it. So you right. should. Um, each step, it's like, this is why this step will matter. This is how it's going to benefit you. And you can read that and then um, make your own determination about, eh, I don't think that's really important for me. Or, yeah, I totally need this. And, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned the, the weekly review. I don't do that as often as I should. Um, and I need to do it more, not because the system says I should do it once a week, but because what I'm finding is 
sometimes things do fall through the cracks because I'm not doing it. So suddenly it makes sense to me why I should do it. I I didn't do it because I thought it was going to be a waste of time. I'm already looking at my inboxes. Why do I have to do yet another review? But what I what I found <laughs> is, you know, by not doing it, I am losing out on stuff. Maybe what he said made made sense. So um, I would I would not adopt fully the methodology because it says so in the book, but really look at it and look at the explanations, figure out if it makes sense to implement it the way that he's describing. And if not, keep the book handy and go back because if you're finding the system doesn't work, as, as I kind of did with the whole weekly review thing, you can read that chapter and come away with a different perspective, maybe after trying it and say, oh, you know... That does make sense now. I kind of do get why that does matter, why I should really focus a little bit on that. And then you can uh, add that to your to your system. What Gene was saying about holding others, holding yourself accountable to somebody else, th- that resonates with me. And, and, and I think because I've worked in so many editorial environments where people do tasks and then they pass the task to another person and then to another person and eventually you get this thing that's done. And so everybody has to do their part, but they are part of a whole. And if you're a good teammate, you do your stuff on time, not only for your own benefit, but for the benefit of the person who's going, well, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, where is it? And yeah. and so I, I'm intrigued and I don't know whether getting thing done, getting things done accounts for how one works in a team but I, So I guess I'm wondering that, first of all, and then the, another question I was going to ask, because both of you have worked in corporate environments as well as on your own. So I, I guess I wonder how getting things done functions for you differently when you're independent versus when you're part of teams. It's interesting. One of the things that getting things done has in it is a – gosh, here's where I'm going to mess up right here – live on the podcast i think it says waiting for others or waiting on others yeah. something like that is the category right. it's, it's a w <laughs> it's a waiting I it's mean, a waiting it, it, it's just waiting yeah, yeah. that's the um, hardest part they say yeah and <laughs> and as a as a self-employed contractor i use that occasionally if i was waiting for something but as someone who works now in you know corporate land I use that so heavily. I'm always waiting for something. You know, occasionally as a contractor, I'd be waiting for someone to call me back or get back to me. But in corporate land, I I mean, I can't do anything without, you know, six people needing to be involved or to sign off or to approve or to implement or to talk about implementing or schedule a meeting to talk about, you know, whatever it is. There's, There's a huge interdependency in, in, you know, the corporate world. I'm always waiting for someone. And so that category is real important because sometimes I would, you know, be waiting on someone and then I forget that I'm waiting. And then it's me who then doesn't get it done. And maybe it's because I was waiting on someone, but the buck stops with, with me, right? And so um, I think that's one of the ways that for me, the getting things done system allows me to be a more effective team player because this way I have more visibility about, you know, okay, these these items are outstanding. They're with you know, and who are they with and how long have they been outstanding and with this person? Because then I can send a kind or (laughs) depending on the time, not so kind, uh, reminder email, you know, Hey, Bob, you know, you were going to look into scheduling this thing or whatever it was, or, you know, did you have a chance to talk to your manager yet about this project? Um, you know, and, and that helps me to be, you know, a, a rising tide raises all ships, right. By helping him, that's going to help me. Yeah. I mean, the last time I worked in a corporate environment and there was email wasn't really a thing. So a, I'm very old and B we didn't have people just like taking two seconds to dump something in our inbox. Um, and so we didn't need to manage everything. Everything was pretty felt much more linear. And definitely the fact that, if somebody wanted you to do something, chances are they would walk down the hall and, you know, into your office and say, can you do X, Y, or Z? And you would say, yes, you would write it down and you would do it, you know, right away because they asked you to versus getting, you know, scads of email from people asking you for stuff mixed in with the scads of email from companies asking you for stuff that 
you didn't even ask them to email you in the first place. One thing I did notice uh, between the t- when I was an independent contractor and then when I started working with Smile, um, uh, there's definitely some kind of meeting trauma am- amongst the developer community <laughs> that I, you know, when I said, let's meet once a week and I got like, uh, same thing, at, you know, with Manton at micro.blog was kind of like, do we really need to do that? And I'm like, yeah, because if I don't see you once a week, it's not like we're even working together, you know. Um, I didn't say it like that, of course. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so Manton and Philip and Greg, don't don't email me. <laughs> I know. we. It just was interesting to me that to them, you know, it was like meetings and holding up like their fingers in the sh- the shape of a cross, um, and me feeling like, hey, once a week, just checking in. And so that is what we do. And it is very helpful. And you, you know, if you know what somebody's, uh, you know, past experiences are, especially when they were bad, uh, working uh, to allay their fears that this will not be bad. The other thing that happens too, is with, um, uh, with with in corporate land, there's there's all kinds of inputs, right? I thought about this mm-hmm. when when G mentioned he used to walk down the hall and just ask someone, "Hey, could you do this?" Well, now that same request could come in the form of someone walking down the hall, assuming we get to go back to our office buildings at some point, or it could come from an email, or it comes through Microsoft Teams, or it could come through Slack, or maybe it's posted on a message board, or maybe it's right. posted on a, you know, so you have all of these different inputs. <laughs> And sometimes it's confusing. Like, how, how am I supposed to ask someone a question? Yeah. But for me, the problem is I'm getting input from all of those sources. So someone will say, hey, did you do whatever? And I'll be like, what are you talking about? Well, I sent you a message in, you know, Microsoft like, Teams yeah. three days ago. And I'm like, you did? I didn't see that because I've been catching up on my email, right? Like, well, yeah. I didn't know you preferred email. So having a system like getting things done allows me to take all of those inputs and put them in one place. So then, you know, I don't have to worry, gosh, did I, did I clear everything out of this? Did I go everything out of this? Um, you know, if someone just asks me a question, you know, I don't know, I don't want to be like, Oh man, I wish they would have emailed me because then I could have put it in a folder. Right. So having a system that's like not dependent on any particular way of communicating, but allows me to take inputs from all of the ways of communicating, including verbal, um, is is priceless for me to, to kind of be a better team member too. That's a good point because I feel like, and I, I know this as a, a journalist who's contacting people all the time about stories and who works with a lot of people in different contexts, everybody has their one or two preferred methods. I, I know people who I exclusively talk to on Slack. I know people who don't even use Slack. And I'm like, how could that even be a thing? Everybody has to use Slack. Well, no, they don't because that's my choice. That's where I live. But I don't live on Discord and a lot of people live there. A lot of people live in email. And I I, I don't know. I, I, it's nice that the way you approach getting things done means that you go and check all of those sources. You get the inputs or the outputs and you put them where you need to put them for your own use. And you don't have to feel so constrained by, oh, well, I expect all of my stuff to come in at one place. Because it's really getting to the point where that's really hard to enforce even in a corporate environment where like we're a Teams shop or we're a Slack shop. Well, that doesn't mean somebody won't send you an email or a text every now and then. Yeah. yeah. And home life too. I tried to, uh, I, I was real into Trello for a while, loved Trello. <laughs> and I thought I'm going to make my family use Trello <laughs> because this way I'll keep track of when my wife says I should bring out the trash or whatever she could put it in Trello and then I could move it to my actively working card. And then when it's completed, it'll email. This didn't go over well at all. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was the best idea ever. T- to be fair, she tried it for about a week. I think one of my kids was like, oh, I just delete all the emails that come from Trello because I thought it was spam. I mean, it just totally didn't work <laughs> because it's not how they work, right? Like I was trying to make them conform to the system that I was using uh, at the time at work because I was already there. It made sense for me, but it's not going to work. So the system has to be able to accommodate all of the inputs because the the world is not going to conform to whatever system you happen to choose. Uh, it has been, you know, 
kind of what I found. Gene, you talked about working software companies, which is why I put the next bullet on the document. I, I don't know how much, if at all, you interacted with developers in terms of the way they work, but I know in software mm-hmm. land, they're using Agile a lot, and it's sort of universal, so much so that if you look at jobs for developers, it'll say you've got to be familiar with Agile processes. And all I know <laughs> from being married to a software engineer is the sort of barest minimum about 830 stand-up meetings and pigs and chickens and things like that. But it's another way <laughs> of organizing your time and your responsibilities. And I'm wondering if you're, have you ever been part of Agile teams and, and or does it connect to getting things done in any way? Mm, no, I haven't been part of an Agile team. Um, although, you know, my former colleagues are welcome to email me and apprise me otherwise. But, you know, I've only worked. <laughs> I was totally on that team and I had no idea. <laughs> uh, I've worked, you know, when I started working in software, first I worked with Philip and Greg at Smile. So there were the two of them. And they worked together. I'm pretty sure they did not have stand-up meetings every day at 8.30. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they, we never talked about pigs or chickens. <laughs> Greg and I used to talk about a thing. This is not any particular methodology, but we, we used to have um, a little code word, which was small fish, you know, where one or the other, usually me, get getting worked up about a certain thing. And we would say like, you know, the, it's a, you know, those are small fish to fry. And we even made a little uh, emoticon of three fish, uh, which we would send to each other to say, don't, don't get sunk by the small fish. And, uh, but otherwise, yeah, I think though, those guys had already been in those systems and were looking to work mostly independently, but wanted a partner. And that's how they got together. And it's a, it's a pretty funny story because it was my sister who knew them both and introduced them. So that's how <laughs> Smile got started. You it's made Smile happen. Ma- McDonald family there you know, you go. brings you the Smile, uh, the, the, the great story that is Smile. But yeah, and of course, Manton uh, is very much, you know, working on micro.blog as a independent uh, developer. So I'm I'm quite sure he doesn't have stand-up meetings with himself. God, but I hope he, not. <laughs> but he, he, it, I just noticed it when we first started working together because I don't think he had ever worked on this kind of partnership level with another person, especially another person who wasn't writing the software with him. And and when I said like let's let's just do what we did at Smile, um, let's meet once a week. We make very rough notes in a Google Doc every week, which ends up being, you know, it's just an ongoing Google Doc that kind of, uh, uh, you know, capitulates the, uh, recapitulates the history of the company, you know, (laughs) because we don't, we just use one doc and we add bullet points to it every week. And you have history um, for for years from now. You'll be like, and back in 2019. Yeah, sometimes it's useful <laughs> to know, uh, you know, of course, 2020, we might erase the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, we won't. I mean, actually, I mean, 2020 has been a good year for micro.blog um, in some ways because people need an outlet now that they aren't getting as much human uh, in-person contact. I think it's helped um, people appreciate the the beauty of blogging and as also being on a social media that is much more human scaled and not uh, a big corporate mess. So let's talk about tools a little bit. Uh, getting things done is and can be independent of digital tools, but both of you guys clearly are digital natives or at least people who when digital tools became available <laughs> said yes please. Uh, so yeah, so how true. what are some tools that you like and are they? either specifically tailored for the getting things done way of doing things, or are they things that you have forced into submission? Because I, I, I don't know what tools, if any, are better or worse for the, that kind of system. I found if you Google the name of a tool with getting things done, someone has written a blog post, an article, a sheet, a something on, on how to or at least their, on their ideas of how to implement the getting things done system within that particular tool. 
I yeah. think on the official website, David Allen sells um, various little guides for various products as well. I think I bought one years ago for Outlook, and it was how to integrate getting things done within Outlook. Pretty sure that was uh, on on the official sort of getting things done site. So they they do sell little guides, but if not, there's there's tons of blog articles. Um, I think there has not been a product I have tried that a Google search hasn't turned up a how to use XYZ with with getting things done. Mm-hmm. But which ones do no, you I like and, and which ones make you happy as opposed to, oh, oh they boy. said this worked with getting things done, but it doesn't or... or <laughs> what I find is it's... Uh, well, for, for me, it's sort of a unique situation because I have the challenge of, is this product accessible? Um, it may check all the boxes in the product description, but if it doesn't work with voiceover, uh, then for me, it's kind of a non-starter. Or if it sort of kind of works with voiceover, as, as some products do, then I have to sort of weigh, is the challenge of using the product going to interfere with my using the product? And sometimes it does. If it takes me three times longer to do something because there's uh, controls that aren't accessible, am I likely to do it? Am I likely to trust it? Probably not on both counts, right? So it's not going to be a very effective product for me. Um, the other thing is that people work differently, and some products are, you know, possibly not as feature rich, but on the other hand, they might be more simplistic to use. And so, you know, every, everyone's mileage may vary. Uh, an example is OmniFocus. I love OmniFocus, absolutely think it's fantastic. They've done a lot of work with accessibility. But it has so many cool features that you can get lost in the features of OmniFocus. At least I can. I, I've gone to add a task, and then I've seen that OmniFocus has some cool new feature, and I totally want to check it out. And I, I'm like, oh, I could use this here. Maybe I could add this to my uh, dashboard screen. Uh, maybe I could customize this tag. And I, I get into all of the sort of nuanced stuff that you can do in OmniFocus. Um, and so for me, it, it, you know, is kind of a little bit of overkill, but it does uh, probably for getting things done. OmniFocus is probably my favorite one. Although my fast new favorite is just the reminders app in, in iOS, which I've kind of not paid attention to over the past few years because it seemed like a really basic app. But one of the things that I've found is that, um, especially with deep link or whatever they call that now, where you can say, remind me about this and it will put a link back to wherever you are in an application, like an email or a text message. Um, that provides me with an incredible amount of context. So if I'm reading an article and I, I need to finish reading it later, uh, or I want to tell someone about it the next time I'm messaging with them, it's very easy to do that sort of thing in iOS or on Mac OS now. And um, it, it provides the context back to the, you know, whatever thing I'm, I'm linking from. So for me, that's become a huge productivity boom. And um, I've found it hasn't been that hard to really adapt it to the to the getting things done system. Yeah, I have OmniFocus. And uh, I'm, I like it a lot. I mean, the, it was def definitely developed with getting things done in mind. In fact, it's an interesting story that before there was OmniFocus, people used Omni Outliner as a way to, um, you know, to execute their getting things done system. However, they had it figured out. And one user uh, who was like a uh, expatriate photographer living in Japan created a system of Omni Outliner actions that would turn it into a uh, more of a automated getting things done system and then Omni saw the light and decided to to develop a standalone application for that use and I mean I, I have no idea but I, I, I am pretty sure OmniFocus is their most uh, used app you know among the public it's 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 very well done I, and you know if you like Omni and you like things to be kind of Mac, uh, I don't know, how do I describe it? Just, it, it there's not a lot of, of flashing graphic, you know, Chrome, anything going on with it. You know, it's like, here are 
where you put in your tasks. Um, here's where you can build projects. Here's where you could tag things. So you remember like, well, when I'm at the store, did I buy whatever, if that's the way you use OmniFocus and GTD. So however, it, it is a big app. There's a lot of possibilities and I tend to like little apps. So um, I do review, I use OmniFocus definitely for the review of big projects. Um, for the little day-to-day -day stuff, I use Do if it's really do like, <laughs> and that's D U E. Um, because I, everything I've tried, it's the best app for reminding me, including reminders. Um, don't let this thing fall through the cracks. And, um, but I don't pile do up with a lot of stuff. Otherwise I just turn it off because it's annoying me. So it, you, in my opinion, you can, you can use it for two, maybe three things that you definitely can't forget. But if you're using it as your to-do list, you'll be sorry. Um, another thing that I use a lot uh, is drafts, which um, is basically a text editing program that um, syncs on your devices and on your Mac. And it is very low um, friction for just typing up some text and then using it in some way or the other. And as it's, as Stephen was talking, I said, oh, yeah, there was that article about drafts and getting things done. I need to reread re <laughs> re that. Um, because I had already been thinking like, yeah, my middle of the night thing is I open up drafts, I type a thing. And, you know, it's not even a list because... Because I use drafts also for drafting actual longer pieces, I definitely open it multiple times a day. So if a reminder went in there when I was half asleep, I will see it during the next day. And um, so I find that very helpful. Um, but yeah, there's no one way to do it. And you, um, I am interested in reading how people use drafts for getting things done. But even the first article I kind of scanned, I thought, nope, that's too much. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to make those folders or I'm not going to make those tags. I'm, I just want it to be up there where I won't forget about it. I'm not going to use it as my only getting things done app. And I will always use OmniFocus as my project managing app because it's built for that thing I love about OmniFocus, my, my favorite OmniFocus feature uh, is the contexts. I, mm -hmm. I need context. I, I used to make a list like phone calls. Uh, and I'd put, you know, if I had to call someone back, or if I had to make a phone call, I'd put it on that list. And then I'd have a list of, you know, e you know, emails I need to respond to. Well, that's good. I mean, it's a good start. But the problem is, I'd be at work, and I'd look at my phone calls list. And the first thing on it would be to call my, my aunt and thank her for the <laughs> Christmas gift. I don't need to do that at work, but that's what's on my list. The next thing was um, to call a store to see if they had something or they're in stock, like nothing, none of this, or vice versa. It'd be the weekend and I'd be at home on a Saturday afternoon and the house would be blissfully quiet. And the first thing on my phone list would be, you know, call Bob and ask him about blah, blah, blah. Well, I can't call him on a Saturday. Um, you know, he's not in the office. So having the ability to have context so that I can see at any given point what I am able to do right now. So if I'm, you know, waiting at the grocery store while we're food shopping or something, um, you know, what, what phone calls can I make? I don't want to make business ones, but other calls, maybe I've got 20 minutes of time. I could do that right now. Right. Or if I'm actually at work, what calls do I need to make while I'm at work? You know, I don't need to see my aunt, you know, I can call her later. Um, but I do need to see Bob because I do need to call him. Right. So OmniFocus does an amazing job of allowing you to have contexts set up so that you really see just the tasks you can focus on right now and not all the other tasks that, you know, are going to need attention, but right now are just going to be a distraction or going to be extra noise. I like the theory of that. I, I love drafts as well because it satisfies my desire to have a blank piece of paper that I can do anything I want with. And then if I want to use tag, I've just started using tags and drafts. I feel like mm -hmm. there's so much going on in drafts 
and you can either use it minimally or not. I everything from I just have to jot down, you know, literally a a password or some some piece of information that's random that's come to me in a text message or mm-hmm. there's a task I do first thing in the morning at work which is the daily rundown and I actually have a text expander snippet that creates the format mm-hmm. I use for the rundown and then I fill it in in drafts and then I paste it in Slack to send it to the people that need it. So that's like a structured thing but oh by the way that means I have a record of that for all time and I do my because uh, drafts will do markdown so I can do my podcast show notes in drafts and they're there for all time and i my interpretation of omnifocus has always been it's kind of like taking a jet plane down the block but i'm sure that part of that <laughs> is that i haven't used it and it it feels like it wants you to be in a certain uh ha- have a certain approach to productivity that maybe is not my own uh mm-hmm. but but everybody who loves it everybody who uses it that i know loves it and then there are people like me who are you know, just won't give it a chance and are like, give me drafts, give me a blank piece of paper and I'm happy because. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, but I now I want to look uh... up drafts productivity <laughs> because there's probably a ton of things I could do that I'm not doing with it. It might, yeah. I, th- I think that uh, it's, there are things you could do with it. And of course, there are tags and drafts and there's tags and OmniFocus. Yeah. But the, um, I would say one of the things that I love about OmniFocus, and I mostly like it on the iPad, is that uh, it has a review um, function. So it basically, if you open up OmniFocus in review mode, it doesn't make you do anything. <laughs> All you have to do is say, I looked at that. like, <laughs> And you tap a little coffee cup because the weekly review is supposedly a thing you do over your coffee, say on Friday mornings or whatever. And that way, nothing that's, it doesn't take long. It's, I like that it's not telling you to do anything else, but just say, yeah. I, that's a project of mine, you know, <laughs> or that sometimes I look and I say, oh, that's a project of mine. That's never going to happen. <laughs> Let me delete it now, you know, or this is a project that needs a better title. So it sounds doable versus, you know, very nebulous. Let me just rewrite that and then tap that coffee cup and it goes away. So that's, that is part of my weekly review every week when I do it. And I mean, it almost is an every week thing because it's so easy to do. It doesn't get anything done, but it does um, let me remember that there isn't something like pay your car insurance yesterday, you know, that kind of thing that would make you wake up in the middle of the night. So, And I think also, you know, the, the right hammer for the right nail too, right? Like as I'm yeah. listening to you guys talk, I love drafts. I'd never thought of using it for a to-do app primarily because it's too freeform. Like for me, that lack of structure, I would get nothing done. I, I would put all kinds of notes. I would tag them. I would have a list of all the tags. You know, I, I mean, I would, I would write like crazy and I wouldn't do anything because, you know, OmniFocus for me, it sort of takes my hand and it, it guides me through. Okay, this is what you need to mm-hmm. review. Um, you know, did you, did you look at this project yet? Because I would... Drafts is too freeform for me for, for that purpose. That said, I love drafts, right? I love drafts for writing. It's simple. It doesn't distract me. It lets me just write. Um, you know, I don't use a lot of the advanced features of drafts, but for writing, totally would would start with drafts. And so it's it's kind of interesting because I think, you know, there's there's no perfect solution. I think that the uh, the solution is to really look at, you know, how do I work? What works for me and what doesn't work for me? And, um, you know, is, is this tool, whatever it is, is it helping to, uh, me to, to do what I need to, to do? Because I, I've recommended OmniFocus and then I've had people come back and say, ah, oh, it's just too complicated. And, you know, it, it may be for what they need, or maybe they don't need the, the structure that, you know, I think I sort of depend on, um, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, it's interesting. I'd, I'd never thought about drafts as a to-do app. I don't think of it as a to-do app, but I think one of the, and I guess part of what these systems would hopefully do is help you account for your your weaknesses, whatever it is that you feel like you're not doing right. And the thing that drafts helps me with is knowing where my stuff is. So if I go to a meeting and I'm supposed to take notes 
or if I have a daily rundown that includes all the things that my team's going to do that day or whatever piece of information it is I need to save, knowing that I always put it in drafts as opposed to writing it on a virtual sticky note or a real sticky note or putting it in a spiral notebook or putting it in BB. I use BB Edit a lot just for text stuff. But if I do use BB Edit, then I have to create a file and then I have to put a file somewhere on my Mac. If I have the discipline to say all of the things, all the incidental writing I do during the day, especially notes at meetings, because I used to have a big problem with either I didn't take notes at meetings or I didn't know where the notes I took at meetings were because they were in Word files and they were in folders someplace. Now that I know that they're in drafts, when I need to go look at what that meeting note that I took a month ago was, I can just look the date up or I can just look the tag up. The to-do thing, the problem I have with to-dos is the issue of being bothered by notifications. And like, I feel like, you know, my I have Todoist on my phone right now. I'm trying to use that, but I'm not finding it helpful because seeing the little badge that says you have four things due today is not really causing me to go in there and see what they are because I know I have four things to do today. I might not know which ones they are, but I know that it's bothering me and I don't really want to do it. And that's just my, you know, lack of discipline with regard to that particular structure. So, I I mean, I guess you could make drafts a to-do app. It kind of depends on what you have to do. But if you're looking for a list of, okay, these are eight things I have to do today in different parts of my life, drafts is probably not the perfect solution unless you're also wanting to write a lot about those things in that context. Mm-hmm. And a really good point about the notifications, because you, you can get over notified and then you just don't do anything. Um, I don't like that, for example, in the iOS reminders app, it reminds me of my, uh, if you have a task due on a specific date, but you didn't put a time, um, it tells you about all of them at 9 a.m., yeah. That's it's the most inconvenient time. Oh, I'm yeah. always in some meeting at 9 a.m. I always ignore that notification, and but I'm so used to it happening that I ignore other reminder notifications because I figure, well, it's just a stupid reminder. I'm not going to pay attention. Um, so I think in OmniFocus, you can shut that off so it doesn't give you a daily... You know, so you have to go in and look at it or, or it changes the badge, but it doesn't push a reminder because, yeah, I, the more you get notified about stuff, the less important those notifications are individually or the less weight they they have, at least with me. And so, yeah, I, I totally get it. And I, I think OmniFocus is customizable. I don't know if I can do that in reminders, but um, I know when I first started using OmniFocus, it reminded me every day at 5 p.m., which was yes. Uh, it was That's like the too default. late. Yeah, I was so glad <laughs> I when I shut that off. Default. Now that you're leaving work, here's some things. Yeah, you should here's do. all the stuff you didn't do. <laughs> um, you know, and then and then I would ignore it because I'm like, well, I'm not going to do it now. You know, it's too late. Or, um, you know, whatever. So I, if it's due on a date, I don't have any notifications because I don't find them helpful. The only time I let it. notify me is if it's a specific time like 3 30 p.m and if that's the case then it's a question you know is this really a to-do or is it a calendar thing like does does it maybe it should take up space on my calendar if if it's that time sensitive then i need to block out for for me at least i need to block out time on my calendar this shouldn't be in my to-do app now omnifocus is beautiful because it can pull in your calendar so you can see that at the same time as the uh, tasks, which is phenomenal. But I, if it's due on a date, I don't want to be notified about it. I just need to make it part of my routine that every morning or, or the night before, actually, I'll look at tomorrow's list. So I sort of have a heads up about what my day might look like. If it's time sensitive though, then it, then it goes to my calendar because my calendar alerts, I always pay attention to. Say me too. I I am happy to live in my calendar. I don't do well with to-dos because I guess I haven't found a structure that works for me, even though I like the idea. But I'm happy to look at my calendar and go, okay, these are the two, three, four, five, eight different things because I can make it work. Now, I get over-notified sometimes, but that's my own issue and I can sort that out. But uh, yeah, and I I even will, uh, my smart assistant in my office, there are some time-sensitive things that I need to do. They need to occur at a moment in time. They don't need to take a lot of time. But I'll I'll say, uh, hey, a lady, uh, set a reminder at 1055 because I know 
that I need to be somewhere at 11 and I need just the five minutes it's going to take for me to pull up the draft that's relevant to that thing. And, you know, if I'm going to be in a, in a video meeting, maybe I'm going to comb my hair or whatever. So I will do those things sort of informally, but the actual meetings themselves, like when I have to be at an event or when I have to do a podcast or something like that, I let my calendar do it to tell me what to do all the time. Like I'm not resistant to that, but I realize that I'm very resistant to to-dos and notifications of that sort. So again, therapy for me. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I, I really want to uh, say thank you to Jane McDonald and Steve Sazen for being on the show. But before we go, we have one more thing to deal with, which is the final question. And that is, Jean, Steve, what is an area of your life in which you are least productive? I guess, you know, technically it's, uh, um, it's guinea pig maintenance because... I spend a lot of time and money and all I have to show for it is one little three pound guinea pig. So I could make her a little fatter, but not too much. But she's still and alive. Her she's anyway. doing okay, right? Yes, she's doing very well. Oh, good. All right, Steve, what you got? Oh, I think the least productive. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's probably writing. I would love to... Um, write more blog articles, blogging more. I'm, I'm, a, I'm very active in Twitter, but I don't blog as much as I want to. I always have ideas of things I want to write and I'm going to write them tomorrow or maybe this afternoon. I'm going to, I'm going to have some time. I'm going to write that article. But then I sort of get into this thing where I sort of prejudge myself, like no one's going to read this or I'm just going to make mistakes or um, this won't interest anyone. And I just, you know, my biggest obstacle and I just don't get it done. And it's a shame because then I, you know, I, I would like to share information because I think by blogging and by sharing information, it stimulates discussion. And I, I always get more out of when I take the time to write a blog article, I always get more out of it than probably the readers do because of the discussion. And so I love it, but I just am not that good at it. I'm, I'm very, non-productive so maybe maybe 2021 goal i mean it was a 2020 goal and a 2019 goal <laughs> just keep pushing it forward <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i'll put it right in my omni focus and uh I, you know I, I would love to be more productive where where blogging is concerned producing content so mine is weird since i'm since i've confessed all these things about myself um People often recommend to me, you should watch this movie, you should watch this television show, you should consume this piece of culture, this piece of entertainment. And I never get around to it. I can't ever bring myself, I, I guess the way I should say it is, if I am entertaining myself with television or with a movie, it's probably something I'm familiar with or that's based on something I already know and love. And when people say, you really should try this, and I go, oh, that sounds great. I love that actor. I love that director. I always mean well, but I, I never get it done. So I'm terrible at entertaining myself. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're good at entertaining yourself and not at entertaining other people, you know. Other, others' desires of... for my choice of entertainment. Right. Well, I also don't like it when people say, you should watch this. That just, that just I, I nerves, don't like that right? either. So, I mean, I, I might, don't like but... when I see anything you should um, <laughs> right. uh, in any context. <laughs> We could all help each other. I mean, uh, Jean could videotape her guinea pig for your entertainment, Shelly, and I could blog about it. And you know, well we done. Have... We've solved so many problems yeah. here today. And uh, I just wanted to say, you know, Stephen's also on micro.blog, and so there's something you 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 made a step towards producing more content, even if in a micro manner. There you go. Well, you. Steve, did Josh talk you into getting on micro.blog? Oh my gosh. I, I've been, you know, looking for the perfect blogging platform for years. And every time I do, Josh has said persistently, check out microblog, check out microblog. That's yeah, just yeah, the yeah, way yeah, he I'm says gonna... it too. Our mutual friend, Josh, who is the founder of the Accessibility Roundtable, uh, came to <laughs> us one day, I guess right after micro.blog started and none of us had heard of it. And he said, let me tell you about it. And he proceeded to talk about it and wax poetic about it for a very long time. Uh, so probably you two mm -hmm. should podcast together, but uh, Josh is a oh. huge microdoplog <laughs> av advocate. I, I am as awesome. well. I, I love it. I think it's phenomenal for anyone who's thinking about getting into blogging, but doesn't want the hassle of blogging, uh, meaning, you know, 
maintenance and updating PHP and all of the stuff that you have to kind of pretend to know about with other platforms. Um, it's a phenomenal system, a great community. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm, I love it. Well, yet yet again, another great uh, segue because now I'm going to ask each of you to uh, plug the things that you're doing online. And Gene, I guess micro.blog is probably one of those things for you, but what else would you like to plug? <laughs> yes, I, I manipulated uh, Steve into plugging it, and that was awesome. <laughs> well done. You got something done right here on the show. They don't call me a marketing genius for nothing. Um, seriously, I I would like to plug my my Voyager, Star Trek Voyager podcast called Voyager Revisited. And the next episode that comes out will be with Ms. Shelley Brisbane. Such a and good so, show. <laughs> yes, we we enjoyed uh, uh, talking about Star Trek and uh, I, I enjoy it. I probably should have given that as my least productive, at least in terms of, um, you know, amount of time spent for, you know, uh, profitability. Uh, it's it's in the negative numbers, I'm sure. <laughs> Voyager revisited over on the Incomparable Network. We will put that in the show notes. Steve, you want to plug some of that blogging you're doing? <laughs> you know what? I, I talk about an experiment in accountability. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold myself accountable to all of you <laughs> by plugging the blog <laughs> because now I of have listeners. to. Yes, I now have to write content in case someone decides to go here but I do have a blog um, the I, I have I'm on micro blog but I also have a blog and <clears throat> I need to write more content but uh, if you're interested in in learning more about me or accessibility uh, or accessibility in life and how those intersect uh, Steve's dot life Steve with an s Steve's dot life not dot com or anything just dot life because life is apparently a domain who knew that's a fancy um, url you got right there i love it and you know steve.com was taken of course probably immediately but steves.life i scooped that up real quick so over there uh you can follow my fascinating posts <laughs> um that i have yet to write but will hopefully be underway by the time this uh gets published and i also have a uh, contact form there and links to me on all the socials cool cool you can follow this show at parallel pods on twitter you can also check us out over at relay.fm slash parallel if you have ideas comments or suggestions you can hit me up on twitter either at parallel pods or at shelly s-h-e-l-l-y we'll be back after the first of the year with a show i haven't booked yet bye for now